This is one of my all-time favorite stories. It's probably my favorite story in Scripture. Now, many of you all know my favorite verse of Scripture is Micah 6.8. I like simple things. You know, you remember that's when Micah the prophet was speaking on behalf of the people and said, God, we're doing everything right. We're doing the sacrifices. We're going to the temple. We're giving all we have, and things are not good. I must use a different word there on the earth. <laughs> and God says to Micah, that stuff just really makes me sick. All that pretending to be church sickens me. I don't even listen to your singing anymore. Well, God, what do you want us to do? Micah said, and God said three things. Simple. Do justice. Love kindness. And walk humbly. Complicated simplicity churches and people try to make this good news about God. And then I love, you remember the story in the New Testament talking about simple when the disciples are asking Jesus which commandment's the most important? Which of the, no, not 10, <laughs> 523. We forget that Jesus was born and died a Jew, friends, okay? Can we agree on that? And so he was a good Jew. Which one's the most important? You remember what he said? Simple. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And we've talked about how God could have said, love me and love your neighbor. But God knew it was important for us to love ourselves. Simple, huh? Well, if you've been with us the past few weeks, you know we started out a new series called Hits and Misses. And the first week that we were together, we talked about being misplaced. And we used the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And, and we asked each other, do we ever feel like we're just a number in this great big world? Like when you go pull, I don't know, somewhere like Baskin Robbins, I might have been somewhere in my life. And you're in line and you pull a number and it says you're next. Sometimes I know that we can feel like we're just a number. And we talked that week about how God says, Oh no, just like the one sheep that's missing, I'm going to come looking for you. Because I love you. Because you're unique. The Sunday after that was a heavy Sunday. It was the Sunday after the two mass shootings that occurred within 24 hours. And we talked about that Sunday, mistaken. We used Lynn Stalker, read the scripture, I think, that day. Uh, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. One simple scripture. And we talked a little bit that week about how the church, capital C, has been guilty of arrogance in portraying their particular truth, their particular version of God, which often case has resulted in division and in fact, violence against others who don't hold that truth. Last week we talked a little bit about misgivings. Remember that Paul called the early church to be generous with their gifts. Because the early church needed some help in many ways, in time and talent and financial resources, to give this new version of the gospel. And Paul called them to do that cheerfully. And so here we are today talking about misunderstanding. And I called the sermon 
complicated simplicity because, again, I feel like the church so often makes this simple message of God and God's love so complicated for folks. But this is one of the most beautiful stories in all of Scripture. Now, there are three key words I want us to start out with. Number one, eunuch. And number two, castrated. And number three, Ethiopian. So a eunuch. A eunuch was a castrated male in the ancient community. And if you remember a little bit from what Bob read, they weren't um, particularly ostracized. In fact, they were held in high esteem by the king and the powers. They were the king's attendant. They cut the king's hair. They bathed the king. They had access. And those of you who are hairdressers or know people who are, and we all tend to get our hair done somewhere, we can find a lot of stuff in them, don't we? We know that they are holders of gossip, right? And so this eunuch would have known a lot of the comings and goings that was happening in the palace. So they were in charge of treasury and etc. And they were also put in charge of guarding the queen and the Aram. Why? Because they were safe. They could do no damage to the women. And yet, eunuchs were separated from other men. They were seen as very different and remember that in the ancient community, the primary role of men was to procreate. So they were not seen as really men. All right, let's move to the second word, castrated. First you can go ahead and say, ouch. Not only was this painful, but it took away an important part of a man, especially in that community. So no offspring, no ownership, no family. So they could be very lonely. And women could also be castrated. And remember too that women, their primary role was what? Bearing children. In fact, they weren't even counted in the ancient census. Ethiopian. Dark skin. And what we know to be true is that Ethiopians were seen to be this symbol between Jews and Gentiles. Between the Jewish community and the non-Jewish community. And there was a time when those two fought about who belonged in the temple. Thank God that got resolved. And we no longer fight about who belongs in the church. You got it. Wake up. <laughs> Arguments then, uh, who's in, who's out, who belongs, who's better, who's less than. Ethiopians were seen as the middle of that, caught in between. And certainly would have been excluded from the temple. Any of that sound familiar? People being excluded from church? Religious groups. So all in all, friends, an Ethiopian eunuch was very different in terms of their sexuality, race, religion, and culture. But then watch this. I tell you all, the devil's in the details or something is. 
So let's look at the details. The scripture says an angel of God sent Philip. Philip didn't go on his own. Probably was pretty comfortable in a place out of the desert. The angel of God says, Philip, I'm sending you to the desert. And there's another detail. Why is it important that they specified in Acts it was a desert area? And the eunuch had been to Jerusalem. So what? Jerusalem, Paducah, England, who cares? The, the details, friends. Jerusalem was where the high holy days were spent. So what we know is that the Ethiopian unit had been to Jerusalem to try to get into the temple. So the story continues. He wanted to worship. And so having not been able to do so, he gets in his chariot. And y'all going to have some fun with me here for just a minute. Imagine this is the seat of the chariot, okay? The Ethiopian sitting in the chariot. The eunuch had been to Jerusalem, and he was reading Scripture. And the Spirit tells Philip, go to the chariot. Now think about this a minute. The Spirit of God had said, go to the desert. You go to the desert. You see a person sitting in a chariot, but you don't go to the chariot. What else are you going to do? But not on his own. God nudged Philip, who's seen as an extension of God. He says, go on over there. Go on over there to the guy. Have you ever had to be nudged more than once by God? <laughs> So Philip goes over to the chair and says, Hey, what you reading? Do you even understand that? And the eunuch says, How can I? No one will explain it to me. Remember, he had tried to have it explained to him, right? He had gone to Jerusalem yearning, this yearning heart, this heart of his, I want to know. I want to understand what's going on. There's something more to me, and I want to know what it is, and no one will tell me. And so did you pay attention to the scripture that he was reading? It um, was a tough one. Can you put that back there, Billy, the scripture in Isaiah? The one right prior to that. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its sheer silence, so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was taken away from him. Who can tell the story of his descendants because his life was taken from the earth? That's a scary scripture. I think that's what started the first altar call, really. <laughs> So he's reading that. And yet the very person who'd been rejected at the temple still wants to know more. And so reading Isaiah, he says to Philip, 
What's this all about? Who are they talking about here? Thinking maybe that's me. Maybe I'm the lamb that's going to slaughter. You know, who, who's it about? And I love the phrase where it says, Philip tells the eunuch the good news about Jesus. I wonder what Philip told him. <laughs> I wonder if he said, you know, when Jesus was here, you know what he told us? He said, you know what? You may be last now, but in God's kingdom, you're going to be first. I wonder if he said, let me tell you another story about Jesus. He said that the, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. That something that's so small and inconsequential to most people looking at it grows and grows and ends up making waves across the world. I wonder when he and Philip were sitting in the chariot because Philip had to get nudged a third time. He's still standing there for a while and the eunuch says, hey, hop up in here with me. That'll preach. The person who'd been rejected keeps inviting a symbol of that rejection. Come here. Come here. Let's learn. Let's have encounter with each other. So in there, and I wonder if Philip said, there was this time that we were all in this mountain and there are a lot of people there and Jesus said stuff like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who grieve. Blessed are those who try to do peace. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I bet that eunuch sat there and said, that's me. That's me. I'm blessed. Can you imagine how that had to have felt? I wonder if Philip shared some healings. I wonder if Philip said, this guy Jesus, this amazing prophet and rabbi, let me tell you what else he did. He met this woman at the well who everyone ostracized so badly that she had to come by herself. You know what else he did? There was this big picnic where everyone was hungry and there wasn't near enough food. And these little kids started running up to Jesus. And, well, not me, but the other guys following Jesus said, Oh, little children, no, 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 this is not for you. This is big people time. And Jesus said, Please, I'm paraphrasing, let them come to me. Yeah. I wonder if Philip said, there was this other time that Jesus met this leper. Desperate. And there was this time that this guy hadn't been able to walk his whole life. And so folks cut a hole in the roof and they put him down right in the middle of the crowd. And people were trying to guard him away. And Jesus said, whoa, whoa, whoa. And said, hey, I'm going to make you whole today. I wonder if it was those stories that Philip told the eunuch. Whatever the stories were, friends, it must have piqued the eunuch's interest. Because as they went on down the road, it says, so they must have been moving at some point. 
they saw some water. And we don't know how much water. They saw some water in the desert. Now many of you who know me know that I look at Scripture contextually, sometimes metaphorically. I don't know if they were in a desert. I don't know if there was real water. But here's what I believe. This story is to tell us that God will make a way for every single person to feel included and wanted and loved and valued. So they're sitting in the chariot and the eunuch eyes that water, that chance, that opportunity, that open door, those open arms. And the eunuch said, hey, how come I can't be baptized? A symbol for that inclusion and that love and that healing and wholeness. How? how why can't I have that? Oh, and this is the part I love. I love, I love, I love it. The Spirit nudges Philip again and says, Take him to the water. Did you all hear one rule? Did the Spirit tell Philip, I tell you what, have him make a confession of faith and then take him to the water? I tell you what, have him write down everything he's done wrong in his life and feel really, really guilty about it. And then he can go to the water. I tell you what, you, Philip, you tell him before y'all go. You tell him to promise he's never, ever going to mess up again. And if he does, he'll come back and he'll go to the water and get dunked again. We call that backsliding in the Baptist church. No. That's not what God's Spirit said. The eunuch saw that open door of God's love and healing and said, I want that. Can I have that? And God's Spirit said, get him up and take him to it. Did y'all hear any rules? But we make them, don't we? We make them. I wonder this morning. The Spirit carried Philip after the baptism. And Philip went on his way. If you read on some of Philip's life, he continued to minister, and I bet, in new and different ways. But what I wonder this morning is, I'm going to ask Pam to help me a minute. How many eunuchs do you think get misjudged because of who and what they are? And how many eunuchs misjudge the church, capital C, or misjudge God based on being heard or rejected by a church or minister? And they say they're all alike. 
all like. What you hear oftentimes is they're a bunch of hypocrites and they just want your money. I don't need church. So I'm going to ask you just to, we're going to play not really a game, but something sort of serious. And that is this. Just pop out some things of reasons that we misjudge people. I'll start out with one. Daniel goes a little bit with what you were saying. I sometimes misjudge people because of their politics. What are others? Fear. What? Fear? Fear. Skin color. Character. Sexual orientation. <coughs> I have religion on there, right? What was the one in the back? Dialect. Ah, uh huh. Culture, age. So I'm going to say differently abled. I learned that term in San Jose, that church I tell you all the time that taught me so many lessons. They never used the word handicapped or physically challenged. They used differently abled. Whoa, isn't that a different term to call folks? That's empowering. Differently able. Someone said something else. Um, did I get age? What else? Um, gender identity. Gender identity. One. Okay. Here we go. I think someone said appearance, right? I have a fix for that. And I'll tell you what the fix is. Whoever said that, see me and I'll give you a sticker I have on all my cars which says, Be the Church. When you drive around with that sticker, you're much, much more patient. Especially when you also have one that says UCC Clergy. So we get to Jill here, right? The what we choose? The children we choose. Our answer. Mm-hmm. Okay. The church we go to. Oh, that's a good one. Church we go to. Someone said tattoos. And you know, there are people who see tattoos on people and go, ugh, they must be sort of redneck. Um, 
Well, I heard another one that's a good one. Uh, our past. Any more? Mm. I'm going to say home or not. this one relationship to someone who committed horrific y'all listen to the parents of the shooter in Dayton we raised our son to be inclusive to love everyone how many of you thinking their friends and family are sticking by them right now thank you Pam my guess is that what we have on the chair are things that some of us have been judged by. All right? And my truth is, some of the things on this chair are things I've judged other people by. So we can call folks a eunuch or anything related to this. But I'm going to tell you what this scripture says to me. That is all misjudgments. Because God doesn't give two hoots about any of that. When someone that falls in any of these categories says, that water, that door, that love, that healing, that wholesomeness, I want it. I want to live in that. And it is my prayer that whether we the ones in the chair or we the ones being asked to get in the chair with them, we're going to get to the water together. And we're either going to get some healing we're going to give some. We're going to stop judging.